she wrote about that. Yeah, she and some of her lovers kept each other's pubic hair in lockets around their necks. Yeah. Which... Bring that back. Oh my <laughs> god. Can you imagine? Oh god. Hi, welcome back to Under Our Roof. I'm Lizzie. And I am Montero. Welcome to Call Me By Your Name, the podcast. Just kidding. (laughs) My name is Grace. This is Under Our Roof, a podcast about our simple gay old life at home. And you are joining us for my favorite variety of episode. It's time for another edition of Queer Content for your consideration. Lizzie and I have spent this week like most weeks, but really especially we dove in this week. We made a concerted effort to watch as much queer content as we could, and also the QAnon documentary from HBO. But uh, as we know that of now, that's not that's not queer. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, we're about halfway through it. Yeah. But this last time we did a queer content for your consideration episode, it was one of our more popular ones, and probably by far the episode that got the most feedback on email and... I think reviews as well mm-hmm. with people giving uh, suggestions for more queer content that we should watch. We need so, it. We need it. And we got a ton of recommendations so much so that we have not had a chance to watch or listen to every single thing that people wrote in, but we tried to focus on the things that people repeatedly suggested yeah. like different different people. And we also threw in a few other few curveballs. Few curveballs. Listen to the end for perhaps the biggest curveball mm-hmm. of something to be reviewed on an episode about queer content for your consideration. <laughs> You'll just have to listen to the end you of will. the episode. Or they could just skip ahead. Don't do that. Though. Then you'll be missing hearing you'll about be missing a lot out. of important things. So we're recording this on Easter weekend. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this, Easter has already passed. He is risen. <laughs> He's been risen. Everyone who celebrates, hope you had a good one. Another exciting thing happened recently. I released a song on SoundCloud. It's a kind of a soft release. I like to do this sometimes to to see the reception of a song. And there will be a more official release with some surprises that I don't want to give away. But I'm I'm promising you that the official release on Spotify and on streaming will be, I think, something pretty special and hopefully heartening. Right now, it's just on SoundCloud. Uh, You can listen to my new song called Thank God for That at soundcloud.com slash semlermusic, LOL. Uh, (laughs) I don't know why when I created my account, I added Wait, that's really the name? Yeah. Amazing. Semler Music, LOL. (laughs) It was when I was really not taking myself very seriously as an artist. In any case, uh, I wrote this song as a response to a criticism that I received for Preacher's Kid from a lot of conservative outlets and media that was, I didn't praise God enough on Preacher's Kid. It was too much about the religious trauma and not enough about the praise and worship. So uh, we fixed that with this one. The song is called Thank God for That, and it's about thanking God that I'm fucking gay. That's that's it. That's the lyric. It's the, the main chorus is I'm fucking gay and thank God for that. It's the kind of song where you hear it once and you'll be able to sing along. Yeah, I'm really hoping that this is kind of a fun encore, uh, sort of a dive bar type of vibe. It's supposed to be sort of sloppy and messy and communal, something that you can just sing in groups, scream in groups, sing it off key. It doesn't really matter. Just something fun, something for the 
for the kids for and the boys for the boys yeah sure <laughs> and for and specifically for the gospel coalition and k-love yes <laughs> hopefully they like this one better they Peace will be with them certainly hate it more yeah <laughs> Okay, on the music front, should we dive right into the queer content we've been consuming and start with some music? Yeah, we have to. So. Such a great week. It is, because. Well, Call Me By Your Name came out by Lil Nas X. Yeah, so that's actually stuck in my head right now. It's such a good song. So let's back up. Lil Nas X, the artist behind Old Town Road. Panini. Holiday. Holiday is really good. He has a new song and it's so good mm-hmm. and it made a lot of people mad, which you love. We love to see it. It's called Montero, <laughs> Call Me By Your Name. And it is based, the name is based on the gay because film. His, his name is Montero. Yeah. His, like his, his artist name, name is Lil Nas X, but his given name is Montero. And he loves the movie Call Me By Your Name. Mm-hmm. We actually just watched an interview with him mm-hmm. saying that he watched that movie shortly before writing this song. We watched the genius lyrics breakdown. Uh, Worth the watch. Yeah. Well, so he's cute. Just absolutely so precious. I know. Christians are really mad about this because of the music video um, and because he... <laughs> just to say it out loud is so funny because he designed shoes, like Satan shoes. <laughs> I don't think the shoes are even what made people the most mad. That was like adding fuel to the fire, to yeah. the hellfire. There's, it's but so, basically, it's so in the, misguided. In the music video, he slides down a pole into hell and gives the devil a lap dance. Well, the, the video is filled with biblical imagery. Mm-hmm. And he explained in a number of posts that he was very much traumatized for being gay for religious reasons. And so this visual, this piece of art is sort of an expression and a reflection on that religious trauma and reclaiming that power of being sexual and being told that that was immoral and that you were going to burn in hell and that you would rot there. In the video, you basically see him sliding down a stripper pole from heaven into hell after he's been killed by people judging him in an amphitheater. So, like, people throw a rock at him for just sort of pleading his case for being himself. And then he dies and then he's ascending into a he- into heaven and then a stripper pole comes out of nowhere and he slides down the stripper pole and he like seductively dances with Satan and then he kills Satan. And then he kills Satan and steals the horns and wears them like a crown. And wears, the- and wears them like a crown and then wings sprout from behind him and then he sort of, it- it's implied that he's then ascending again. So he's defeating the evil that was placed on his heart by other people. Judging him. Judging him. And in so doing, rising above, basically. To me, it's so transparently self-absorbed to tell someone, like, I can't believe you made this music. It's not appropriate for my kids. And it's like, I didn't make it for your kids. What? Like, why on earth would you come in and tell me what type of art to make? Because whether it gels with you and your family or not get the fuck out oh a thousand percent also because people will be like he was the old town road guy like he's saying old town road yeah old town road one of the main lyrics is lean all in my bladder cheated on my baby you can go and ask her we're talking about infidelity and drug in, use. and drug use i don't know why people projected that he has to be this kid-friendly person and it seemingly only became an issue when he started talking about being gay. Nobody had an Mm. issue with singing Old Town Road. I think that he's doing an incredible job at normalizing 
queer content in the mainstream. And I know that that's something that is important to him. And this will change lives for the better. I'm so excited to have a, a pop star, just like this huge star like Lil Nas X in our lifetime. Last night, I got kind of chills when you and I were watching the video again, talking about it. Like, the number one song right now is about being gay and just having fun. And grabbing your ass in Hawaii. Grabbing grabbing someone's ass in Hawaii. It's such Been a there, line. done that. Yeah. It's great. We did honeymoon in Hawaii. <laughs> okay, let's move on to another type of dancing with the devil. Oh, I see what you did. <laughs> did you plan that? Did you oh, know you were going to do that? Not just, just a second ago. I was like, oh, wow. that's literally also Dancing with the Devil. Okay, so what I'm talking about is the new Demi Lovato documentary series that is called Dancing with the Devil. Figuratively. As far as we've seen so far, we've only we seen three episodes. We have not seen her twerk on Satan yet. But never say never. But metaphorically, she might say she mm-hmm. did. So we have some thoughts on this documentary. It's a four-part series. Only the first three parts have been released as of the time of this recording. So we will be watching the final installment this coming week. Yeah, it's, it's for free on YouTube if you mm-hmm. want to catch up. There are three parts of it. You may recall that a few years ago, Demi Lovato did another YouTube documentary that was just one installment, one like hour and a half long documentary to promote Tell Me You Love Me, that mm-hmm. record, which I, I love Demi's documentaries. I think she is captivating yes. personality. She's so raw and available. She just feels like Sometimes you watch documentaries about mega, mega stars like mm-hmm. Demi, and you kind of walk away, understandably, being like, they held some stuff close to the chest. And Demi just always feels ready to sort of let her guard down and go there. And I have always appreciated that about her. I think it comes out in her music. She's also a tremendous talent. I mean, her voice. I remember watching her sing in Camp Rock and being like, this kid is going places. (laughs) Yeah, she's incredibly talented and just so fun to watch. I mean, this documentary, though, I've basically been almost in tears every single episode because it's very heavy. And to be honest, I would give like a major content warning um, for people that might be interested in watching. If you're a fan of Demi or even if you're just curious to know more about her, Mm -hmm. I highly recommend it. But... It very, very graphically discusses overdosing, drug use, also sexual abuse and assault. Yeah. And a lot of heavy stuff. I'm probably it's, even leaving out some stuff, but it's very heavy. I it's I think this documentary is a lot heavier than the ones of hers we've seen before. Yeah. Even though she's always been very open in uh, the documentaries that she's done about her life and her music. This one feels really different. And it goes there content warning content warning content warning i can't stress that enough the first episode for me was really difficult to watch my note for this as well i think they probably should have just had this as one installment because after lizzie and i watched like the first two episodes when they were released we had to watch happy videos of demi of demi afterwards we were like we need to know demi's okay even though we know she is but like It's just so dark that it makes you be like, I need to see her giving like an interview later and being happy. Yeah, because it it just really does go there. So I I would encourage you all to watch it. But I really wish and honestly, I think it might have been more responsible to have put 
this whole story that we're seeing that Demi's on right now because she seems like the happiest that she's been in a right. while. Right, I think there is a good outcome through yeah. all of it, but when you just release it episode by episode, you get lost in it all. You're I think they should have yeah. had it as like a two-hour movie, basically, instead of these installments. And also, wait, we should say why we're including this as queer content for your consideration. Oh, so right. some people might not know that like Demi is a queer woman, mm-hmm. and the show... I think is going to get gayer because they've give they've given snippets of interviews with her. I guess for the remaining episode, there's only one left, and and she's been speaking about this a lot yeah. in her interviews to promote the series, right? And so I do think they basically haven't in the first three t- episodes talked about her relationships at all, which is interesting because she very publicly last year got engaged and then went through a breakup. And has come out, I think, as uh, bisexual or queer in some way. You and I saw her perform at Pride like five years yeah. ago or well, something. That was so the- she's been she's been among us. She's been family for a while. Um, and now she's been like, I am queer, well, this which is, is great to see. This is something we see a lot in the media as well, is mm-hmm. that a star will sort of come out and if it's possible for mainstream media to still read them and address them in a heterosexual way, they will defer to that. So I think of like the interview with Miley Cyrus, where Miley is also openly queer, then the interviewer will only focus on her relationships with men, even if Miley is sitting across from the person being like, I'm not interested in men right now, I'm mostly interested in women. The follow-up question would be like, well, what's your type of guy? And I feel like Demi is setting an incredible example because she's been very specific in recent interviews of Mm -hmm. like, I'm not interested in talking about cis dudes right now. That's that's really not where my interest is at all. And it's a little bit of a chess move, I think, on her end, because it is forcing this conversation that mainstream media has not been comfortable to have with mega pop stars. I'm fucking gay. And thank God for that. Cast me out with Jesus at my back. An older show that some people recommended that we realized, oh yeah, we adored that and never talked about it on the podcast mm-hmm. because we watched it along long before we started this podcast, which is the Black Mirror episode of San Junipero. Yeah. A few people wrote in and said, oh, have you seen San Junipero? You should watch it. And we have, I would actually love to rewatch it because it's been a couple of years at least since I've last seen it. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know, Black Mirror is a Netflix show that it's sort of an anthology show where each um, episode is different, but they all have a common theme and they all kind of take place in the same universe. Right. And the common theme is sort of futuristic advancement of technology. The Twilight Zone for, for the te- 21st century. Yeah. And technology and stuff. Yes. And a lot of them are scary. I would say it's sort of in the horror genre, but it's like thriller, to- thr- suspenseful. Yeah. It totally varies from episode to episode. Some of them are honestly really disturbing and scary and some of them are more thought-provoking and San Junipero is one of them yeah. I feel like we had big conversations after it about we did I don't want to give any spoilers yeah, the, but we we can't really get into the meat of this episode without spoiling it it uh involves a central couple who is queer bit of a meat cute but in a very unique set of circumstances. Mm-hmm. 
that is only sort of revealed halfway through. And together, they will end up having to face questions of eternity and technology. And mortality. And and mortality. Yeah, really interesting episode. And I will give two disclaimers without giving spoilers. One, I guess I already gave, which is that it's not a horror episode. It's not scary at all. And two, it is not sad at the end. I don't think. Yes. That's kind of important. leave you to ask some questions. But you're not devastated like, oh, wow, this adorable queer couple all is lost. Yes, not at all. There's it's not a barrier gaze episode. No. And also if you like sort of an 80s retro type of vibe or aesthetic, it's really fun for that. Yeah, really fun. It's it's a beautiful episode cinematography wise. Gorgeous. Yes. So I actually do really want to rewatch it now. But if you have not seen that, if you just search San Junipero in Netflix, I assume it'll be the first thing that pops up. Yeah. You'll you'll enjoy it, I think. Let's talk about finishing Dickinson. Okay, so the last couple episodes of this podcast, we've mentioned Dickinson, which is a show on Apple TV Plus about the life of Emily Dickinson. Mm-hmm. It's super fun. We've already talked about it on the past couple episodes, so I don't want to bore you with all the details again. But we finished season two, which they're currently filming season three, from what I've read. So season two is everything that's available on streaming right now. Mm-hmm. And... There is a gay payoff at the end of season two. There is a major gay payoff, but you have to be patient. I think we thought at the end of season one that they were setting it up for a a big gay season two, and I did not really feel that. However, there is a big gay payoff at the end, and I am really hopeful that that leads us into lots of queer content for us to consider for season three. Yeah, I feel like season i loved the show it's one of my favorite shows that i've watched as of late but there were moments where i did not know where season two was going Mm -hmm. or why they were kind of putting us through these they put us through they put us through yeah it's like you think you're gonna be in this gay paradise and you end up walking through this weird sort of hetero wilderness yeah well so sue gilbert and emily dickinson which if you're If you've missed the past two episodes, the show is about the life of Emily Dickinson as a young author. And this doesn't give anything away because this is just history. Sue Gilbert and Emily Dickinson were were essentially soulmates. Yes. Um, We know that through their writing and a lot of, um, like, cishet historians would be like, they're close friendship, but they were in love with each other. Definitely. And so you know this going into the show... You know this from, like, the very first episode that they have this really incredible connection and bond. And then it did feel like season two, we sort of lost sight of that. Now they do explain it. There is an explanation for it. And I think that that will lead us into season three. But I was hoping for more queer content to consider in this show. And I I think that there were certain characters and plot devices that could have had a little less screen time and we could have seen we could have just had a a little bit more of them even if it was just teasing yeah the gay stuff to come even a longing stare yes exactly that's what i mean even kind of anyway i don't want to give too much away even the parts that were devoid of anything queer i still really loved because i think it's a really sharp and funny and well-written show jane krakowski oh my God. is <laughs> 
so she's, funny. We, she plays I'm like Emily crying laughing mom. with her. She's <laughs> yeah. the, she and Emily Dickinson. When her eyes are black. I know that's, there's this moment where one, there's going to be a wedding, which is not a spoiler really, but I'm not going to say who it is. Uh, there's going to be a wedding in the show. And this, I guess she's supposed to probably be 40 yeah. or 45 years old. This mother wants to look young and beautiful for the wedding. So she puts this, Eye drops. Eye drops that are supposed to make your eyes look dewy <laughs> and they turn like demon black. And she has to go through the wedding ceremony with these like demon black eyes. And I think things like that are the strength of Dickinson where yeah. they will poke fun at like old American beauty hacks and products that clearly like traumatized people, but they didn't know better at the time, which I'm sure they're things we're putting on our face now that years from now would be very funny. So that's that's Dickinson, and I guess that kind of leads us into another period show that we watched that we had complicated feelings about. Yeah, so this is another older one. I mean, it's not old. It's only from a couple years ago, but we watched it long before we started this podcast, which is Gentleman Jack on HBO. And we did have complicated feelings about it, and I feel kind of bad saying that only because I know a lot of queer people absolutely love the show, mm-hmm. and I don't mean to yuck that yum at all because i can it's really fun and it is an enjoyable show to back up it is about the life of ann lister who was a real person living in shipton england yeah wow good memory thank you shipton. it's because they shipton have hole. shipton hole in the oh, in the theme song the unhinged theme song oh my god <laughs> i forgot about Okay, so basically there's this woman. It's on HBO. Real person, Ann Lister, who lived in the 1800s, was it? Something like that. Old-timey. Old-timey, but not medieval, just a couple hundred years ago. And she was very wealthy, which this is honestly very interesting to me. She was super wealthy and because of that, basically able to be gay be gay because she didn't have to get married to a man for protection and security and everything. And she had a wife like really they did have a marriage ceremony and everything Mm -hmm. um and this is historically true which is so interesting to look at um just because you don't really see those examples from that long ago but the character of ann lister to me is so narcissistic and gaslighting and manipulative it's shocking so she kept a detailed journal of her life which is what the show is based on and the bbc also did a show about her called the secret diaries of ann lister but gentleman jack is the better of good budget hbo yeah yeah. dramatized fictionalized a bit i'm sure yeah so they basically found these diaries of Ann Lister and they're like, oh, I wonder what this like powerful businesswoman like has been keeping these secret diaries. She kept them in like a code that you'd have to translate. People had to crack the code to read her diaries. They're like, I wonder like maybe there's gold or hidden treasure. She had all this money and like coal business stuff or whatever. And they translated it and it was all just her being like, I did have sexual relations with like so and so. It's like a sex journal, which is it's a sex journal. iconic yeah. that they would crack the code to read about this stuff. To I be mean- in the room when someone cracked the code and then <laughs> to be like, oh, this is a literally about someone else's pubic hair. That's she wrote about that. Yeah, she and some of her lovers kept each other's pubic hair in lockets around their necks. Yeah. Which Bring that back. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> you imagine? Oh god. Imagine trying to explain that. Someone's like, oh, it's a beautiful necklace. What's it? Oh my god. <laughs> it's a human hair. I can't. Oh, I'm actually getting shells. I'm disgusted. Yep. Um, okay. So- well, no, don't yuck any. What if that's a thing still? I don't know. 
It's just not it's for me. Not. For me, that would be very mortifying. If you have a locket with someone else's anything, mm-hmm. I don't care what it is, not toenails. a photo, toenails, hair, whatever, yeah. blood, Angelina Jolie situation, mm-hmm. please write to us at underourroofpod yeah. at gmail.com because I want to know, but I don't think anyone has. I think I think people do. I think it's way more common. Pubic than hair. Think. Well, I don't know about that, but when you said blood, I was like, I'm sure people have each other's blood. Okay. This, <laughs> Why is that? That's not. I that's don't not know. Maybe I'm just squeamish. Okay. Well, I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. Oh God. <laughs> Gentleman Jack is a good show. They are making season two right now. Apparently, it's just a unique show in that the protagonist is my least favorite character. Yes. But there are other characters. Her love interest, Miss Ann Walker, specifically, who I would die for. Who I yeah. think are so great. It's just that Gentleman Jack and Ann Lister herself was. Just the definition of a problematic fave. And I think that the other characters, she has so much power and control. She's so rich. She gets to like act beyond reproach, but they don't treat her like the anti-hero that I think she is. Like she gets the hero's music. Yeah. And I think that's what's so annoying is because like she'll get the hero's music after like ditching sweet, sweet Ann Walker. And it's like, no, because it's like, look at her out living her own life, a badass lady on the town. And it's like, (laughs) no, she's being an asshole. She's being self-centered. She's being rude. And she just can do this because she's so rich. She can just go off to Russia and like flirt with fucking monarchs or whatever. And then Anne Walker, who just had this like sexual discovery, is like left, is like kidnapped by her own family. I don't want to give away too much, but it's it's a complicated show. I'd be interested if other people have watched it, how they feel about it. There was a great scene towards the end. I will give them that. There's a scene on like a hill that reminded me very much of like gay pride and prejudice. Love that for them. But there were a lot of scenes in there where I was like, I actively hate. Gentleman Jack. Yeah. Someone trip her. By the way, the... Just to humble her. Someone Nick, trip her. Someone run up she to her and so cut... Fast. Someone run up to her with a knife <laughs> and cut her little curly Q hairs off the side of her head. Please, God. Yeah, the, with the top hat. She, oh. I'm sure it is historically accurate, but the style of that time... She has didn't these do us favors. curls of hair on the side of her head that it's like it's a wig or something type. it has to be but the only time i ever could get into it and be like oh yeah like this is a hot protagonist was when she was literally like on the side of the cliff and all of her hair had blown out and there were no (laughs) more curls (laughs) you'll if you watch it you'll understand what i mean yeah nothing against curls it's specifically the style of the time with the top hat it's it just wow we've come a long way i hope top hats never come back in fashion oh my god same okay let's move on I think we should talk about Deadly Illusions. Oh mm-hmm, gosh. You're Mary Morrison, best-selling author. I haven't written in a while. What you need is a full-time sitter. The girls she recruits clothes, they clean everything. I think that you will be very pleased with what we can offer. I'm Grace. Hi, Grace. She can't be real. You are a godsend. You don't have to take care of the kids and me. I know, but I like to. is her plan get you hooked on her so that she can take everything okay so there is a movie that is 
at least as of the last few days, the number one movie on Netflix, apparently. And it is definitely a so bad it's good situation. But there are some queer elements. And it is called Deadly Illusions <sighs> with speaking Kristen a- Davis, who was Charlotte in Sex in the City. Well, I was just going to say, speaking of problematic faves, this movie. What? Who's the fave? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is well. Clearly, it's a fave because it's the number one movie oh, on the Netflix. movie. I thought you meant I mean, one of the characters. Yeah, the fact that it's trending and we saw it on TikTok. That's I think yeah. we talked about this in the last episode. right? Yeah, let's back up. We did talk about it and said that we were interested because we'd seen this TikTok saying, "Hey, everybody should go watch this movie," and it was compelling. Mm-hmm. We watched it. It's a thriller, like a domestic thriller. Basically, the premise is that a woman who is a novelist is trying to come out of retirement essentially she's not that old it's charlotte from sex in the city um but she's sort of retired with her wealth from being a successful novelist but she's coming out of semi-retirement to write another novel she has young kids she needs some help keeping them occupied so she can write she hires a nanny obsession ensues there's a lot of um tension with the nanny with both parents husband and wife honestly that's a very compelling premise what unfolds is <laughs> there is an attraction there is a curiosity. everybody's attracted everyone's to the attracted nanny. to the nanny and the nanny is a mysterious sort of person and perhaps isn't who she says that she is didn't find out about the position the way that she claims all of this we don't want to give we can learn this all in the trailer away. yeah there oh my gosh there are so many twists and turns to be on house guests i'm gonna i'm gonna level with you I really would love for y'all to watch this movie and then maybe on a future episode, if some of y'all write in, you can always write to us at underourroofpod at gmail.com. We could do like a, hey, spoilers coming up and then maybe for 10 minutes we kind of read some of y'all's theories and like just do 10 minutes of like talking about deadly illusions because there are so many weird, weird twists and moments and it's hard to explain without giving anything away and i i kind of think it could be fun let us know if you think it's fun watch deadly illusions yeah Um, we should also say that there is definitely a content warning for this i would say but to tell you exactly what it is is a huge spoiler but what i will say is there is some treatment of mental health as basically a twist in the movie in a way trash garbage that seemed and this is speaking from someone not in that community but just from an outside perspective, I was like, yikes. I can't believe that the one character having this mental health condition is the twist. Yeah. I don't want to say too much more than that. If you're concerned, you can probably look it up. Um, but I was kind of shocked that they were using that as the twist. In in the year in the In the year of, of, our, of our Lord, of our 2021. Lord. In the year of Montero, 2021. The idea of someone having a mental health condition as like the horror villain yeah. twist just seems so wrong to me. So I'll say that as well, but you don't really find that out till the very end. But I don't want to give anything else away. I do think it could be kind of fun if any of y'all happen to watch Deadly Illusions, because we know it's sort of trending right now. We saw it on TikTok. Now it's the number one movie on Netflix. I'm sure that entire cast is thrilled. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they had no no No, expectation of this. I'm sure like Charlotte from Sex and the City is like, God, why? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I mean, in in some ways, it's kind of fun that there's this really bad campy thriller very campy that's the thing it's in in a weird way it does scratch this like morbid 
bad movie itch that is yeah. kind of compelling. It's hard. I think we all know that feeling of watching a movie where Lizzie and I were regularly being like, what? Wait, what? When, when yeah. we were watching it? And sometimes that is kind of fun. It's like an interactive movie when it becomes so bad and weird that you have to pause and be like, why is this happening? There's a scene that happens early on where... This is a little teaser where uh, I know <laughs> you're Charlotte. So they hire this nanny and she's like this little like goody two shoes nanny. They're like, wow, she's so sweet. She's so innocent. And then Charlotte, the the author lady played by Kristen Davis, takes her. Charlotte's her name in Sex in the City. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who is she? Mary. Oh, Mar- her character's name is Mary. The boss of the nanny is like, hey. Do you want to go shopping? Like, let's go shopping. Let's Which get is, out of here. Let's get out of here. Let's, let's get, get out of here from the home where you're supposed to be watching my children. Watching my children. Children, um, TBD. We don't know where they are. <laughs> We're not sure where they are. But they go, Mary takes the nanny shopping and specifically bra shopping. And, and it's like they're in the, in the fitting room. room with her. And Lizzie and I were like, what is this? This is so weird. And this is before they've hooked up or anything, which I also, just from the trailer, is not a spoiler. They treat it like it's a normal thing. That's why you're yelling at your TV the whole time. They're treating it like, it, oh, wow, like, wouldn't this be glamorous if you were a nanny for this, like, rich author and then she offered to take you bra shopping? <laughs> so, <laughs> like, so weird. Please let me leave. And is in the changing room with you and is feeling your boots to see how the bra is working with them. I hate it It here. was shocking, I to say it. the least. And this was at the beginning of the movie, so you're like, where? Easily the, 20 minutes Buckle in. up. Buckle up, yeah. <laughs> if this is what we're doing. Yeah, but there are queer moments. The interesting thing about uh, Deadly Illusions, it is queer content for your consideration, <laughs> but I don't even know if any of the characters are queer. Yeah. That's it's the just weird that part. Queer things happen. Queer things happen, but they're oh. used as manipulation. Y'all, so I do. I really just want to hear. I want to talk about this with y'all. So, like, maybe on a future episode, we'll just allot ten minutes, and I'll give timestamps. If you don't want to listen, timestamps, you can jump ahead, and we'll do we'll do a full spoiler thing. Because I'm just thinking about. I really want to hear what people think when the when the milk bath scene happens. There's a scene again. This is not a spoiler, but. The nanny pours milk into like half and half. Yeah, into which people do take milk baths, but like I don't think you would go do a no. hot bath full of water and then just pour, pour in milk. In milk, it's and it's supposed to be sexy, and then this would curdle. Things, <laughs> things happen from there that I no don't no, know if no. it was supposed to be like sexy. Or disturbing. I think it was supposed to be both. I think it was supposed to make you lactose intolerant. Mm. We're right beside you, ready to fight. We must be strong. Let's talk about She-Ra and the Princess of Power. This was one of the most recommended and requested things that we watch from Mm -hmm. the last time we did this. I got a lot of emails about She-Ra and the Princess of Power. It is an animated show on Netflix. There, I don't know the whole story about the original, but there was an original She-Ra show Mm -hmm. that's much older. So this is a newer show, but there are, I think, at least five seasons. Yeah. And it's a kid, it's kids, but it's, Kind of across the board, like adults would like it too. Yeah. And we have not had time to watch all the seasons yet, but I've heard... We got into season one this Yeah, week. we just have been watching season one, but I've heard that it gets especially gay in seasons four and five, but that it's sort of the premise is that 
most of the characters are queer. Oh, yeah. But I picked that up. It's just sort of that's the default. That's the norm. Almost mm-hmm. the way that in a kid show, an animated kid show, it would be assumed that maybe yeah. girls would have crushes on boys or something like that. But without that needing to be spoken, it's the same way, but flipped in this. And there's also just a lot of different types of diversity in general mm-hmm. depicted in the show, which just seems so great. Oh, I for kids especially really enjoyed it. The world building is incredible. It does kind of jump you in pretty quickly. So pay attention because yeah. there's a lot of information coming at you. I immediately clocked that all the characters were queer, pretty much. This is a toxic trait of mine. I'm not really the person to fall in love with an animated show. Mm-hmm. And I wish this wasn't the case. It's true. You've never liked animated shows. I haven't. Like, Except you love Miyazaki. I do. I love, like, Totoro was my favorite movie growing up. I love uh, Miyazaki films. I don't know why I don't like other animated films that much. I mean, I like some. I like Disney stuff, like Disney animated stuff. I loved um, Anastasia is like one of my favorite movies from growing up. But I don't like animated shows, TV shows, episodic shows. I don't know why. It's very interesting. Like you, what's the show that you like? Big Mouth. Oh my God, I hate it so much. <laughs> that is my nightmare of a show. That like I this, love that show. I've literally never seen an entire episode of The Simpsons because that is my nightmare of a show. This is a, this is a major pothole in our marriage. Yeah, so I'm not the person. I just don't love animated shows, which again is my problem. Toxic but trait. Toxic trait. I really enjoyed it. I would continue watching it. My recommendation, if you're interested in getting into Shiro, would be. Start it like Saturday morning cartoons, Mm -hmm. lazy Saturday or Sunday, get in your jam or you're already in your jammies or waking up, have your breakfast and like plow through like four or five episodes to understand the world, to understand the characters. And it's beautiful. I think it's really beautiful. And I think that having a subversive like kids cartoon that adults can also get into is incredible. It's sort of like what we said at the top of the hour with a call me by your name. I, I'm very happy to be living in this timeline. Mm-hmm. That goes here again. Please give it up for May Martin! Hi guys, I'm from Canada. I came over in a canoe recently with Celine Dion. Hi. 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 I've never been on a date with a girl before. Do you like films? Do you want to kiss me, mate? Oh, that would be so cool. Now? Yes. I'm seeing someone. Well, I can't believe I'm actually saying those words. I feel like I'm like shaky and sweaty, and I feel like if you're not holding me, then I'm just I'm just gonna float away. Now, May, your father and I want to know if you found a new narcotics anonymous meeting. Uh, a what meeting? A what meeting? <laughs> okay, so we started watching Feel Good. We just started it in the last couple of days, and we're almost through the first season, or that's the only season that's currently available. Um, it's only six episodes, so it's on it's Netflix. Short. It's on Netflix. It's a British show, I guess. Kind of Canadian, because Mae Martin is the starring role, uh-huh. playing a version of herself, also named Mae, a comedian. It's like semi-autobiographical of a show. Yeah, it's and a it's- It's a 24-minute comedy I'm like, why did people not demand that I watch the show sooner? I'm a bit upset. I'm a bit upset, even though I say that, but multiple people emailed us saying that we should watch it, but they didn't. Okay. Yell at us. If you emailed us saying to watch Feel Good, thank you. 
I'm the one that took way too long to listen and actually watch it because it's so cute and good. I think I thought Feel Good was something else. I think I thought it was an episodic or an anthology show where each episode told a different story. I think I was getting it mixed up with another show. Mm -hmm. It's not that at all, which I do like that kind of show sometimes. But this one is very much point A to point B plot. It starts in the first probably 10 minutes with this couple meeting, quickly falling for each other. It's very cute, romantic, funny, super funny show. From there, you kind of realize because in the first 10 minutes, this couple basically falls in love. You, you're you like, okay, the other shoe is going to drop. There's going to be heavier stuff discussed. And there is. But it's not a show where uh, the couple then immediately breaks up or anything yeah, like we, that. Yeah, we were really dreading that. I was worried. Happen. So far, we're, we have two episodes left and they have not broken up. Spoiler, sort yeah. of. <laughs> Non-spoiler, spoiler. I think what what you and I have really enjoyed about Feel Good mm-hmm. is watching a show that is really well-written. It's really it's funny. It's so funny. With the main couple at the center of the story offering a dynamic that you and I can directly relate to in mm-hmm. that. And this is very general, but in that one is sort of more mask presenting and one is a bit more femme presenting in in energies on the spectrum of gender, if you yeah. will. And I just know from my perspective, that's very rare mm-hmm. to see a, a dynamic that I identify with in well, a relationship. I feel like we in, in our show. communities, we see that dynamic all the time, which yeah. is why it's so funny that that's not often the dynamic in shows. Like of all the shows we've talked about today and on past episodes, I think this is the only one where there's yeah. a queer couple that's one person's like more mask. I mean, it just feels good. I remember telling you, I mean, feel good feels good. It it does deal with some heavier uh, issues. There yeah. is a lot of discussion about substance abuse without giving too much away. Um, there is talk of that and they deal with those themes and, and coming out and that type mm-hmm. of thing as well. But I remember watching the first episode and I think I had you pause it and I was like, this is... It's almost like you don't even know what you're sort of missing until you see it. And just seeing this couple navigate trials and tribulations that any sort of television couple might Mm -hmm. and being able to identify with just like the way that one of the characters experiences the world, even if I'm projecting a lot of myself onto Mae Martin's character, was so nice and it was funny and it had a budget. Like, Mm -hmm. it just felt so good. It was like, oh my gosh, Lisa Kudrow is in it. She plays um, plays such a funny character. So funny. She's really good in it. Another thing that's really fun is I feel like the two main characters who are in a relationship do have really good chemistry. Yeah. Like, to the extent that watching after the first couple episodes, I had to Google, are they like together in real life or something, which they're not, sadly. Um, I don't know. That's not sad. I'm sure they're both like living. I'm sure they're friends and like sure they're good. Yeah, their own lives. But I feel like I could never be an actor because in that type of situation, I would like fall in love. You know what I mean? With either if I was either of those roles, their chemistry and the scenes that they're in and stuff. Like, how do actors not all fall in love? I guess a a lot lot of them do. A lot of them do. Yeah, but. Yeah, it's very, very good chemistry to the extent that I don't know how they don't fall in love with each other in real life. They don't appear to. Come on. Just tell her the truth. He 
is Will Hawkins' file. Social services put everything in there. You didn't tell me this was church camp. It's gonna be great. Nope. Come on. What's with the name? A Ouija way. A Ouija way. Every once in a while, somebody was just a week away from an experience that changed everything for them. I'm Avery. Nice to meet you. What's her story? Way out of your league, trust me. Her dad owns the place. If I'm gonna fit in here, I have to be something I'm not. Well, this will be fun. Good luck, Will. You're gonna need it. So we have one, oh. one last entry, which Grace teased at the beginning of the episode. It's not... It's not exactly queer content, but it is content that we watched over. We're the- queer. Yeah. And we also found out that though they might not want you to know this, lots of queer people worked on this picture. Okay, so we're talking about A Week Away, which is a new also trending movie on Netflix. Is it trending also? I've heard that it is, yeah. I kind of hate that. So it's a musical. It's a straight musical a heterosexual evangelical musical i don't know if it's actually evangelical but christian musical if you have ever been to church camp and if it was a bad experience this truly might trigger you so proceed with caution yeah it's a lot so basically the premise is that there's this bad boy (laughs) and he stole a car if like the character from a walk to remember if that guy was in a musical yeah so it's like this bad boy who I guess is in foster care. His parents have died and he's like rough around the edges, even though he looks like the most white bread cookie cutter man of all time. But apparently he's rough around the edges. He's rough around the edges in the sanitized Christian way, which is that like he does crime, like victimless crimes basically that are just edgy enough to be like, he has to change his ways, but not in any like serious way. The stakes are not there. Like, he allegedly steals cars and, like, graffitis or something. We don't even really see him doing any of these things. So then Sherry Shepard takes him in, and she helps run a summer camp, a Christian summer camp, but he doesn't know that it's a Christian camp until he gets there. And he, when he arrives, says that he's cousins with Sherry Shepard's son. And they are camp regulars yeah well Sherry's i think she helps the, run the camp. yeah she helps run it and then her son is uh, a fixture he's been there for a number of years yeah so they get there and he acts like oh i'm just this guy's cousin I'm i not, love god i'm not really a bad boy and then he sort of has this summer fling and it's christian so they literally don't even kiss yeah. at least at the beginning of the movie um he has this summer fling with the head of camp's daughter who's Miss Jesus, very yeah. pure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm using pure with quotation marks because I don't believe in that Well, sort it's of... like Christian, like yeah. purity culture trope. She's the girl that would just be, you know, Miss Youth Group, just yeah. perfect. And I'm so... so it, just hearing you describe the movie, I'm like, this is so tiring. I can't believe we sat through this whole thing. The soundtrack is done by uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman, Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith. And by that, what I mean is that they licensed their biggest hits to turn them into musical numbers. So if you always wanted to hear Dive by Stephen Curtis Chapman, sung by a bunch of teenagers about a kid literally Jumping into the lake at camp. Yeah, if you wanted that literal musical interpretation of Dive by Stephen Curtis Chapman, then I have good news for you about this movie. If you love Amy Grant like I do, but you don't want to see her on screen for very long and you don't want to see her sing or perform like the legend she is, 
then I also have good news for you about this movie. She makes a cameo and it's so annoying. They have other, someone else sings Baby Baby and it's stupid. They should, I just want, I want a musical with Amy Grant. Yeah, so like the original people that made these songs, um, I actually was not really raised with CCM. I had an evangelical upbringing, but not a popular evangelical upbringing, if that makes sense. I feel like I missed out on a lot of the on like Stephen Curtis Chapman's yeah, dive. Yes. Like a lot of the cool like <laughs> I'm diving in. <laughs> yeah, I missed out on that stuff because I was just head, I wanna be. sheltered even within evangelical sort of tradition. If but- you were raised on CCM, then this movie will bring back memories for you. It also has some original music, but it sucks. Sorry. Yeah, the new songs are I'm not that sorry. Aren't too good. They're bad. I didn't mean to go into this just roasting the movie. I thought it was kind of a fun watch, but it's sort of annoying in that they never it's supposed to be the I mean this is I don't think a spoiler at all that the moral of the story is like this bad boy is able to find God. find God and like find community at this summer camp and change his ways and stuff. But it's really weirdly sanitized in the way that they don't ever say the word Jesus in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. It's all just about, like, God loves you, which I don't disagree with, but it's so vague it's, that it's weird. It's That's the main problem that I have with, I think, Christian culture today, like, the the sort of the predominant Christian culture is that it is so vague and they speak in these, like, TED Talk platitudes. Yeah, it's platitudes. Without really engaging in, like, what it means to walk in faith, you know? Because yeah. they don't want to get too political. They don't want to, like, ruffle any feathers. They don't want to stand up against injustice, you know? And so I think that that's what that, – that, that's why you have this really bland, like, so bizarrely bland, bland heterosexual musical, which the reason why we're including this in our queer content for your consideration is because I like uh, Instagram storied Lizzie and I watching this movie in bed. Like I would just post my story probably too much to you probably did like 25 stories. Probably 25 stories we were watching of Lizzie and I watching this, of just sharing our thoughts along the way. And so people knew that we were watching it. And I had a number of people DM me saying that they knew queer people who worked on this production. Which That friends could- of theirs were dancers in the production. Friends of theirs were part of, were like PAs. That a number of queer people were involved in this musical, which... Fucking duh. Of That's course they were. Like Musicals the, are gay. The choreography, the everything in the movie could not exist without queer people. But yet they, I mean, it's not an anti-gay movie by any means, right. but it's just so bland and whitewashed that they, all the campers who are going through stuff that they have to work out through god and song is like i'm shy but i want to be bold (laughs) there's no real diversity of walks of life or anything like that in the movie even though the people making the movie come from all kinds of backgrounds clearly Mm -hmm. and so eh, yeah it's just so so painfully bland that that's our biggest gripe but to be honest we um got kind of high and had a fun time watching it yeah so uh you know, maybe watch it for a laugh or a cry, depending on where you are. And that's going to do it for this edition of Queer Content for you to consider. As always, please send us other pieces of queer content for us to consider at underarroofpod at gmail.com. And while you're doing that, don't be shy. Rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We are an independent show, so it is really helpful for us. We've loved spending 
some Saturday morning time with you, and we hope that you have a wonderful rest of your weekend, or, oh, sorry, wait, this is coming out on Monday, a uh, week, wherever you are. It's Saturday for us. It's and Saturday it, in your heart. It could heart. be any day when you're listening to it this. It could be any day. It could be any time, any year, really. Uh, who knows? So have a wonderful rest of your day, wherever you are, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. My love for you is constant and new. No matter the change or the age As we both get older